The following program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Good evening, everyone. You're tuned in to the Dating and Relationship Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm your host, Laura Bellotta. As news about the coronavirus outbreak continues to dominate the headlines and millions of people all over the world are being asked to self-quarantine, it's become increasingly significant to pay as much attention to our mental health as we do to our physical health. People are feeling increased stress from so many variables, including financial uncertainty or hardship, um, the unknown, our routine has changed, not having a break from parenting, especially when kids aren't feeling secure, being around others 24-7 or being alone 24-7. Tonight, I'm joined by... um, Tonight, I'm joined by Joan Kelly Walker from The Real Housewives of Toronto. Hi, Joan. Hi there. Thanks for having this show. I think it's super important. Great topic. Yeah, so do I. And psychotherapist Don Binkowski, uh, they're both here, and we're going to be discussing coping strategies to help you get through this difficult time and also other things that may come up, like how to be there for a partner or for your children who may be experiencing an increased level of anxiety and depression. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. And and for those also tuned in, uh, later on in the show, mindfulness coach Brian Coons will join us. He's going to run through uh, the importance of meditation right now with some tips on how to get started from home. So let's get started, ladies. Okay. Dawn, there's no question that pandemics such as the one that we're currently dealing with uh, often ignite fear, anxiety, and and neurotic behaviors in in all of us. But What about those that already suffer from mental health or or traumatic history? How can we expect it to affect them? It it is going to have a a larger impact on people that already struggle with mental health stability. Uh, For people that uh, have difficulty with isolation, being alone, then it's going to uh, exacerbate that. For people that have a need for external validation, how they're reflected back from others because of the isolating, that uh, support of self is cut off. So people generally are going to feel more unsteady and unstable. What's important and helpful is to remember that that's normal. If you're feeling that way, it's completely normal in this unprecedented time we find ourselves in. And to go back to find the supports that have helped you in the past maintain a sense of stability for yourself and to draw on those, even if they only give you five minutes of relief or a break, it's still something important to do. But Dawn, when you were saying that, I was thinking, okay, how do you know what is a normal feeling though? Like, I'm sure everybody's feeling things right now that that are foreign to them, but how do I know if, if in society is that normal? Uh, if you already have a previous mental health condition that's been diagnosed, then you'll have some familiarity with how that manifests in you personally, and right. it's likely to be exacerbated. As far as the general population goes, it is really important to recognize that no one in the world is normal right now. And so if you are feeling prickly or edgy or more reactive or more withdrawn, that that is your normal reaction to what's going on as you're trying to process 
this bizarre situation we find ourselves in. So it's finding compassion for yourself, monitoring how you might be processing what's going on, and uh, and monitoring to make sure that you aren't engaging in maladaptive coping mechanisms that are going to become a bigger problem afterwards. Oh, like oh, like drinking, like everybody's doing right now. I'm doing eating calls at night, and everybody seems to be drinking. Yeah. You're right, Joan. Eating more. Yeah, or like binge cleaning. Like just well, so you don't that. have to think about anything. It's just you know binge cleaning. I don't know about that. I think that's, that how, that's healthy though. <laughs> Where it becomes a problem uh, that, that really needs our attention is if it is a substance issue, if we're turning to substances to numb out or unhealthy patterns of behavior such as gambling or online shopping, things like this that, that, that it, um, we get addicted to because after this crisis is over, those people are going to be left with a, a physical addiction mm-hmm. and dependency on those as coping mechanisms. So, you know, eating not so bad as long as you aren't putting yourself into, you know, at a high risk of any kind of a heart disease, but recognizing, okay, so I have a need for more comfort food right now. That's okay as long as you're keeping your eye on it. Mm -hmm. I think my point was more that you're trying to divert your attention away from it. Like some people have the TV on 24 hours a day. Some people just have completely turned it off. But I think a lot of people are just trying, I guess you would say, to distract themselves into a normal pattern where there's really not a normal pattern because we're all at home right now for so long. So, like, you know, is that a problem, is just trying to you know, trying to avoid thinking about it. Yeah, so it, 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 it's a bit of a balance. And, and also having that awareness. It's a different experience if we say, okay, I need to distance myself right now, so I'm going to binge watch a Netflix episode or I'm going to extreme clean. Just having awareness because I don't want to feel anymore. Just recognizing that you're doing it in awareness is a different experience than when we are mindlessly moving into unhealthy patterns of behavior. It, it, it's, you know, if, we, if this is too much, whatever this is in that moment, then honoring and validating that and saying, okay, so I need to take a break. I don't want to have the, the virus and the quarantining right up in my face right now, or I don't want to listen to the news because that's going to remind me. So it's just being aware of what fear. Well, Dawn, and I have a question before we take a break. Obviously, a lot of us are experiencing this sense of fear. Uh, what happens when we allow fear to take control over us? Uh, when we get uh, our fear response, that brings in the, the fight or flight or freeze response, our survival mechanism. Quickly, some people might not know what that is. Yes. Uh, we become hypervigilant, and it can take different... Uh, we uh, get a burst of adrenaline and cortisol in our bodies, and we are preparing to either run away or to, or to fight. And our brain doesn't understand the difference between a virus and, you know, a bear coming to attack us. It's the same physiological response. So recognizing that you have that, and then being able to tell yourself there, I'm not actually in any danger. As long as I follow the directions, 
about staying, uh, staying inside and minimizing any risk of transmission. There isn't an actual emergency. We are going to get through this. And you tell yourself that to help shift the physiological response that's going on. And as well, meditation and mindfulness practices like that can also help support. We'll talk about moral fatigue as well uh, when we come back on the Dating and Relationship Show. We're talking about uh, coping strategies to help you get through this difficult time. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show. I'm Joan Kelly Walker here today with Laura Bellotta and our special guest is psychotherapist Don Binkowski. Um, you know, we've been talking about COVID-19 and how it's affecting everyone and all of our mental health. And I want to talk now, Don, about moral fatigue, and that is obviously something else that a lot of people are experiencing at the moment where every single decision seems to involve consideration from, you know, so many different angles, like what's the risk to me, what's the risk to others, am I allowed to do this? You know, how important is it for me to do that, even though it's something that you would routinely do? Um, so, so what do people do about this way that they seem to be carrying this heavy load of constantly overthinking things? Uh, it's, first off, just recognizing that that's going on and uh, having compassion for yourself if you not, aren't as productive as what you think you should be or what you normally are or why you can't do all of these things that are going around social media as far as being creative or learning a new language. Recognize that just living day to day is taking more energy because there are very few simple decisions anymore. Absolutely. All those things you mentioned um, but also without the ability to have as much contact with people, then we don't have as much reassurance that relationships are okay. And if, we have, if we're wired to sort of uh, analyze and worry if, if there's a, a rupture in a relationship, that's going to be taking more energy as well. So it's just recognizing that um, overall there is more energy expense in just existing day to day. So if you have a need to sleep more, that's okay. If you're not as productive, important to adjust your expectations of yourself. This is not a normal time that we're living in. And you mentioned having more compassion for yourself a couple of times now. How can we uh, have more compassion for ourselves? By recognizing that this is a very difficult situation that we're in. And if we start to, to form a negative narrative about ourselves, that we sort of challenge it, but with compassion. It's yes, of course. I have a tendency to make myself wrong. And that's what's coming up now. Or I have a tendency to second guess myself. That's what's coming up now. Let me remind myself that just because I think something, it doesn't make it true. This is an old coping mechanism that served me in the past. It's not serving me now. Let me remind myself that I am doing the best job I can to get through this at the moment. Soft kid gloves with yourself. 
You know, one thing, uh, I mean, it's certainly not about me, but I think some people can probably relate to this. Um, you know, I thought, okay, I'm going to set some goals for myself. I'm going to learn how to play the guitar. And I don't know how to play the guitar at all. Um, but now I'm feeling like, oh, my goodness, I didn't practice my guitar today. That's, you know, and I didn't do this. <laughs> That's awesome. Which did yeah. somehow to put more pressure on myself. And I guess what you're saying, Dawn, is that I need to walk away from that and just say, you know what, if I didn't learn how to speak Spanish through this whole ordeal or, you know, play the guitar really well, that's okay. I tried. Like, you have to embrace, I guess, the time that you're doing it and just try and enjoy that part of it instead of, like, setting these lofty goals and then feeling like you're falling short. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It is very important in this at all times, but especially this time, to avoid giving ourselves any shoulds. I should be playing the guitar. I should be doing this. I should be learning a new language. All of those things, because shoulds come with a tremendous amount of pressure and weight. And it's so easy to then make ourselves wrong when we don't do it. And because that pressure is already there implied in the should, it takes away from any joy or excitement we might have. So it's all about meeting yourself where you are with compassion. And what about the regular pressure that people put on themselves to look good, right? And now we can't, we can't go to the hairdresser, we can't get our nails done, we can't, you know, wax, we can't do all these things. But we're all in the same boat there. Yes, we are. Yeah. We are, but it's for a lot of people. It, it, yes, absolutely. And one thing that I'm for themselves and they're not feeling good physically, you know. Uh, so that's something important, you know, to get curious about. You know, why do I feel that I'm lesser than if I'm not made up a certain way? Because I'm the exact same mm. person. Um, and I'm also noticing in my work with clients that many clients that suffer from comparative and what I'll call comparative anxiety, they're always viewing others as having all their back together and, and they themselves don't, that has lessened to a significant extent with many people because they are looking at everybody is struggling, so they aren't viewing themselves as incompetent in some way. So that's that's interesting because you would think that more people are, are staring at their phones so much on social media that they would have more time to compare themselves to other people on social media. Yeah, that, that makes sense. But what I'm hearing, is it's numerous, numerous clients are saying that. Huh. Um, and it's kind of, and, 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 and there's a piece of learning and growth in that because they are exactly the same person now as they were pre-virus. Mm-hmm. But they are viewing themselves different. And so it's how, get curious about how do you do that? How do you make yourself wrong? Maybe it's not true. And it doesn't matter, you know, what your bank account is or, you know, what your title is or any, any of those label things. We're all affected exactly the same. And I guess it kind of levels the playing field a little bit. And, and that's a positive thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. and, and this this situation right now is is, is most likely going to humble us all. I have another question before the break. Um, when we when we're stuck in a situation like this, when we, we that we find ourselves currently in, anger can surface, and it, and sometimes we need to project that anger onto someone else, especially those that are closest to us. What do we need to keep in mind before we do this? This happens uh, regularly, but I mean now more than ever, right? Because you're, you're confined with someone for 
Yeah, absolutely. So it is important that everybody monitors their reactivity as, as best as possible and recognize that no one is normal. Everyone is feeling edgy, reactive, withdrawn, whatever way their reactivity manifests. And so when you can feel that reactive energy surfacing, then uh, I know for me, it's this upwelling of emotion and, and all that matters is, you know, the other person accepts what I'm saying. When you can feel that starting, that generally is the time not to talk. That's the time to notice what's happening inside, hold back until the reactivity dissipates, and then see if there's something that you need to address that you're rightfully angry about. I'm angry that you went and saw your friends and then came back into the house, for example. We'll continue our conversation, Dom. We have to take a break around anger. When we come back on the Dating and Relationship Show, also we're going to discuss um, coping strategies to improve our mental health and well-being. We'll stay with us. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Hey everyone, you're tuned in to Global News Radio 640 Toronto, the Dating and Relationship Show. I'm Laura Bellotta. Joining me today is Joan Kelly Walker and psychotherapist Dawn Binkowski. Uh, we are discussing your mental health today and we're talking about, uh, you know, some coping strategies to help you get through this difficult time. Before the break, Dawn was uh, explaining anger and, 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 you know, sometimes we need to project that anger that we're feeling onto someone that we're closest to. And so she wants, she's going to continue that conversation. So go ahead. Yeah. So because of the circumstances where many people are cooped up together um, in a, a, a uh, in a stressful environment globally, then um, that is going to make people more reactive to each other. And so it's really important to recognize that everybody's feeling that way and to hold back acting on that reactivity. Also be aware that it, it, it can be a normal reaction to feel anger just about the situation that we're in. And for some people, there can be a tendency to try and find somebody to blame for it. So your irritation with one of your people that's closest to you could actually be coming from your own anger and frustration at the environment that we are in now. Well, why do we tend to project our anger onto the ones we love? I've always been curious about that. So it's uh, a safe they, place because they love you back, likely. Um, yeah, absolutely. That, that can be a case. It also can be is that we get hurt uh, most by the people we're closest to. And so that can be playing in the background, especially if there's been previous trauma where there's early attachment wounds. Our brain is monitoring for that. So if somebody doesn't factor our needs in or meets our expectation that we're close to at a particularly delicate time for us, we can have an anger response because the old trauma narrative comes up that we aren't safe emotionally with that person. And it it likely isn't true. Okay. Well, let's talk about coping strategies now. Be, uh, there's no hiding the fact that most of us have been feeling really anxious, like frustrated, angry, um, confused. <laughs> so these strategies to improve our mental and emotional well-being. Um, so let's talk about the first one quickly. A cutback news and social media intake. Do you uh, think that's a good thing to do, Dawn, and, and why? Oh, and yes. Uh, it's important to just get in the necessary information. Uh, 
which is usually delivered by some kind of authority government body. Um, it can uh, increase anxiety and a sense of uh, a lack of safety by taking in all of the news that's out there, especially if it is something recorded, because there generally is at least a low level uh, feeling of anxiety in the reporting itself, which will take in. So it's re it just recognize what's going on inside. If it starts to feel like too much, honor that and shut it down. If you find that you can't unhook from what you're reading about or what you're listening to, again, another sign that you're taking in too much. And, and when it comes to social media, um, we also suggest too is just follow more accounts that make you feel good rather than not. And uh, mute posts that don't make you, you know, that you're not comfortable with. Absolutely, yes. That's, that's uh, all really important. It's really paying close attention to what is going on inside you and validating your feelings, whatever they are. It doesn't mean you have to act on them, but it's okay to say, I'm feeling scared right now, or I'm feeling overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And just noticing if that. If you get to that point, sorry to interrupt, but like, what, like, should you call someone, like call a friend, call a psychotherapist like you, Dawn? Like, you know, if you're just feeling out of sorts, um, you know, do you just try and resonate with it and understand it and be compassionate with yourself? So, like, what is the action? Uh, it, it, it's subjective. So for some people, that will be enough. For others, um, uh, they might need some professional assistance. And there are lots of therapists that are available now. And I think uh, what's really helping me is staying connected with, with family and friends. Especially with friends, more like we're, we stay connected, you know, through Zoom calls. I know Joan, you were on a Zoom call the other night. Yeah, I have. I, I, you know, I usually do that every couple of nights, and I think it's it's fun, and it really it, it keeps us um, together, and we share our feelings, and we relieve a little bit of our stress, and it just makes you feel good overall. Yeah, and you know something really fluffy that I'm going to admit right now. You know, if I get on a call, like even today, even though I, you can't see me, I put on some makeup because I it makes me feel better. I know you do that. You I do that, that and it's a small thing, but you know it helps. So I think if people can find those little small things that are nice for them, like you know, have a bubble bath, sleep in, like those things, if they're helping, then why not? Yeah, absolutely. That is a, such a good point that everybody is going to have their own unique uh, list of self-supporting activities. And as long as there isn't any detrimental long-term uh, impact, such as drinking too much or that kind of thing, then go with it. If it helps you get through this, by all means, use that as a support. And just going back as well, contact is crucial right now. So what you were talking about, Laura, it is very important to maintain connection with other human beings via, via video or phone. Yes, and we are going to continue this conversation discussing coping strategies to improve our mental health and well-being at this time. Right after this break, stay with us. You're listening to The Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta. 
from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show. I'm Joan Kelly Walker. I'm here with Laura Bellotta and Don Binkowski, who's a psychotherapist, and we are talking about COVID-19 and how it is affecting all of us. And Don, before the break, we were just starting to talk about how to keep things in perspective. How do we do that? Uh, it's important Question. to know the facts that there that um, only right now the projection like fifteen percent of the population that catch the virus are going to require a higher level of medical care, likely hospital care, and of that fifteen percent, only two to three percent uh, one to three percent will there be a, a fatal outcome providing there is enough equipment. You know, I I just have to point out that, you know, everyone has loved ones who are somehow compromised. Like my mom has had a stroke and she's in a nursing home. And so that's my biggest fear. So even though like, yeah, I'm probably safe and my kids are probably fine. It's, you know, when I think of what's my biggest fear, my, my brain just goes there. So like, what do we do about that? So it's it's having perspective, recognizing that you will do your best to uh, um, minimize any possible transmission. That's why we're all staying away. Um, and it, it, there is we can't control obviously everything that's going on. So it's okay. There isn't any emergency at the moment. I can hear that I'm, you know, catastrophizing, worrying about what might happen to my parents. I will remind myself that nothing has happened yet. And if something does emerge, then I will look at how I am able to, to deal with that if there's a way. So but we can't worry about things we can't control. That, well, that's right. And also, you know, tell yourself that if I do that, then that means if something does actually emerge as a real problem, I'm going to have less energy to be able to deal with it because I will have already been wound up worrying about something that might not ever happen. Hmm, that's a really good point, and I needed to hear that right now because I'm pretty wound up about it. And it's, it's, you know, it's definitely on the top of my brain. Uh, do you have any other things to help keep it in perspective? Um, you know, things like exercise and other, other suggestions like that. Yeah, it's, it's very important to, to move, whether it's exercising, yeah. dancing, walking. When it, it, there's, a, there's sort of a, a general layer of anxiety globally because of the big unknown. As human beings, we have a need to have a certain amount of predictability in the world. And right now we don't because the world has changed as we know it. And we're going to find a new normal and we're going to get through this. Absolutely. But because of the big question mark as to when and how, that is going to, to uh, cause anxiety, whether we allow it up into conscious mind or not. So it's important to move that anxiety energy through our bodies. And physical activity also helps ease the anxiety, and it, it, yes. it produces uh, hormones called endorphins, which, which actually make you feel good. But I also uh, want to talk about uh, creating a routine for yourself. So I've been reading some articles on mental health um, and creating a routine, um, and they say that you should follow the same schedule right now of when you wake up, when you eat, and when you go to sleep. Why is this so important? Uh, it's... it's uh it helps to to uh, 
if, if you give structure, many people find that supportive. And it saves the days from just blurring in together and, you know, sort of going, oh, my gosh, it's 6 o'clock at night and I didn't do anything today. And then that can set us up to feel bad about ourselves. So it gives some sense of normalcy in ha- having the, uh, our regular routine. Having said that, though, that doesn't always work for everybody. It's good to have certain goals and certain structure, but for some people, it's, I've talked to, it's, I'm really enjoying the fact that I get to wake up whenever I wake up without the alarm, and I will spend time having coffee before I start to do the things that I need to get done. And I'm really enjoying that. So it's, it's again, it's, it, there's, um, if you're struggling, then look at, imagine putting some structure in place and see how your body responds to it. Your body will give you information if you listen to it. Does it feel like there's an opening to that or is there a closing to that? And I hate to cut you off, but I I have another couple questions I really want to ask before you leave us. But uh, what if your partner suffers from anxiety and depression? What are some things that we should be mindful of right now for them? Uh, It's the kid gloves. It's recognizing that nobody is normal and that your partner is likely to be either more reactive, prickly, edgy, or withdrawn, and that it isn't personal. Don't take it personally. The two of you find, ask your partner, hey, is there any support that I can offer you through this? And let them tell you as opposed to you trying to fix it for them because no one can actually fix another person. But say, I'm here for you if you need to talk or let me know what would be supportive. But just recognizing that, that it's likely, people are likely going to be a little more reactive because of the climate that we're now living in. It's not personal. And one more question. What advice do you have for those who might be feeling lonely? They're living alone, like myself. (laughs) Yeah. I'll tell you what I do. I get outside, whether it's around, even just around the block, get some fresh air. We have some nice days coming. I do that. I go into the woods that are close by my home, and and that's getting into nature is amazing. Um, So that's really helped me. And, again, my Zoom calls at night. But if you have any other great tips, we'll gladly take them. Uh, It's, I I guess, not much more than what you said. It's important to, to, if you're living alone, isolating alone, it's even more important to have contact with other people. And if you have the energy to be creative, then yes, you can have a coffee catch-up with somebody, have a coffee break together for 15 or 20 minutes, or a, a happy hour a drink that you have with somebody or you each eat dinner together, you know, that kind of thing remotely by video. There's ways to stay connected, which is really important when you live alone. Mm-hmm. Okay. We need to people over the balcony. Yeah, we need to, we need to go, but thank you. Um, joining us next is Brian Coombs. He is a meditation coach and, um, or a mindfulness coach, and he's going to run through the importance of meditation right now with some tips on how to get started from home. Thank you so much. Where can we find you? you if you uh, uh, search uh, Port Credit Therapy Center on Instagram or Facebook or Google, uh, that is my place. Thank you. Thanks, Dawn. We'll be right back, everyone. Now back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bilotta from singleinthecity.ca 
on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Hey everyone, it's the Dating and Relationship Show. We're back uh, with Joan Kelly Walker from the Real Housewives of Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. And now mindfulness coach Brian Coons is here. He's gonna we're, he's gonna discuss the importance of meditation right now and offer some tips on how to get started from home. Hi, Brian. Hi, Laura. Hi, Joan. Thank you for having me. Good to be here. Yeah. So, Brian, in the segments before this, we were talking to psychotherapist Don Binkowski, and uh, she she stressed quite clearly that sometimes meditation is not right uh, for every single person. If they're starting to have anxiety, um, the most important thing is to really listen to your body. Right. So, um, you know, we, we obviously want to talk about the people that will, will benefit from this, and I know that there are many. So, um, you know, what, what benefits do you seek when you meditate? Right. So I just want to comment on, uh, on what the doctor said first, and that is we absolutely do have to listen to our body, and meditation is a tool that allows us to listen to our body. You, know, you can almost picture your body... Um, you know, as an analogy, the, the dashboard of a car and when you're driving, a, a light may come on. If we're not listening to our body, we don't see warning signs that we may be uh, in some kind of stress or in some kind of trouble. Um, and then just to, to finish that piece, um, meditation is huge, but breath work in general is almost uh, what meditation is built on. So in situations like that, when somebody's at sort of that red line and stress, meditation is not going to work for them at that point. Just catching the breath, finding the breath in that, in that moment and, and sort of grounding themselves is, is uh, what I would recommend there. Should we always be mindful of our breath, like all the time? Well, yes, if we can be. So it's something that you have to train yourself to do. Ooh. And I know I often tell people to set uh, a notification on their phone, you know, during their busy day because we, we run around – so busy and, and fully in autopilot mode. Autopilot, you know, if you're in a, if you're a plane, it's flying, but it's in a specific pattern. We don't even notice our behaviors. It's just our subconscious programming. And stopping every so often just to take 10 deep breaths, it just brings your, all your tension right down. Your parasympathetic nervous system kicks in, and you just feel better, and you ground yourself. And then you're like, wait, wait a minute. Wow, I'm, I'm really not feeling good. I really need to rest, or I need to do something. But... You can't make that decision unless you're conscious of it. Right. Hmm. And what has it done for you well, personally? Because uh, you only started meditating a couple, a few years ago now, right? No, I've been I've been meditating for about ten years, and okay. I've been formally studying and practicing under uh, Dr. Stefan Travaux at the Mindfulness Center in Oakville since uh, 2014. Awesome. Uh, but but what it's done for me is it's completely rewired my behavior and. I've noticed things that, that don't serve me and become much more self-aware. I mean, I've had the emotional intelligence of a caveman in the past. And, you know, I've really learned to, to open myself up. And, you know, like really it's, it's for a dude to talk about like leading with your heart and opening your heart. It's kind of a strange thing, you know, based on the, the, the masculinity that, and the way we're, you know, we're, a lot of us grow up, but really become more in touch with yourself and, and you're able to self-regulate and understand where emotions are coming from, you know, over time. But it's, it takes a long time. To, what to, has it to done do for your relationship, if it has? It's, it's done quite a bit in terms of understanding each other more and understanding myself. Because, you know, we oftentimes try to change our partner without actually looking inside of ourselves and what we're doing. 
and creating. And really, that's the only thing we can control and change. So I've learned to respond differently. So basically, if there's something that would typically trigger me, I can actually be one step ahead and create enough space in my awareness to notice that I'm triggered and then just catch myself and say, okay, wait a minute, no need to respond here. Just kind of take it down and then respond later. And it creates better communication and, and, you know, shouldn't improve the relationship. And Brian, I know that you meditate as a family sometimes and with your kids. Um, And, you know, you, when you were talking about breathing, you were saying, you know, train yourself to be mindful and stop and take 10 deep breaths. And that's, sort of like an individual thing. Um, you know, I need this right now, so I'm going to stop and do some breathing. Right. Um, but isn't it, is it more difficult to get your family and your kids and say, okay, we're going to sit down and do this right now, even though they might not be in that headspace? How do you, how do you come together as a group? Yeah, so that's a great question because I have an example from yesterday where my son was spending too much time on a tablet, and I've been taking my kids and, uh, and my wife, if so she's available, but my kids every day because we've been doing a, an online Instagram show around it with other kids. And I haven't seen it yet. I need to, I need to check that out. Yeah, it's, it's been fun. <laughs> and, um, but my son literally is quite good. He, he goes very deep, and I could see him. His body was struggling, and he was fighting it initially. But with breath work and with time, with my guidance, he slowly sort of – relaxed and fell into the place and he was just so comfortable and he went kicking and screaming in and after he thanked me and gave me a big hug for making him feel better mm, that's so beautiful <laughs> yeah, it really is it's powerful it's amazing <laughs> wow i love that so why brian is now a better is is now a better time mm. than ever to start meditating Everybody is very concerned with what's going on. Um, people mm. are, you know, we're, we're, there's a lot of, there's no human connection right now outside of virtual. And these are things we sort of need. And, and people are really, are really having a hard time and they're feeling guilty about not doing things. They're judging themselves. I think it's a time we need to give ourselves some grace, but take the time to give yourself that self love and care every day, just to sit in peace and quiet and just be still if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Wow. So if somebody's they thinking, okay, maybe I should try that, like how does somebody get started? There, There is a bunch of different apps available now that kind of take you on a journey from beginner to wherever you, wherever you want to go. I mean, Headspace has, give, has given away a free membership right now to their app. They're one of the bigger ones. Sam Harris's Waking Up app is great. So those are a couple, a couple of uh, resources. Also, there's a lot of people doing uh, online meditations right now, leading groups. So it's, it's, but it's more about really, at first, I mean, rather than just going on a journey, just, just finding some time and, and, and paying attention to your breath. And when your thoughts come up, bringing your attention back to your breath. Just that repetitive type thing. Now, it's, I do other techniques as well. I, with my clients, I help them do um, some larger breath work, like some Wim Hof style breath work. And that puts them right into a state where they can actually become still, even if they're full A type and they can't sit for a minute. Brian, I want to continue this conversation. We're talking about meditation and how it's known to improve your mental health and emotional well-being. And right now, uh, more than ever, we should be doing this. So we're going to talk about that uh, when we come back on the Dating and Relationship Show. Stay with us. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta. 
from singleinthecity.ca on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back to the Dating Relationship Show. I'm Joan Kelly Walker here with Laura Bellotta and Hi. mindfulness coach and my friend, Brian Coons. It's really nice to have you, Brian. And I want to continue the conversation. We were talking about more tips to get started with meditation, uh, yeah. meditation and mindfulness. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, um, one of the biggest obstacles that people have is they, they say, I don't have time. And then if it's, if it's not time, then they'll procrastinate and not do it. And if it's not that, then when they do try it, they become frustrated because it's something that they don't feel or feel something happening immediately. Your mind wanders, like myself. Like my Absolutely. mind wanders. Yeah, yeah all of our minds wander and our thoughts just keep rolling in. So we can't control that. All we can just do is become aware of that. But the first thing we need to do is really protect some time in our day and schedule it like you would do anything else important. And I can't really think of anything else more important that people could be doing right now at home in dealing with this crisis is to schedule some time for themselves. Now, I often recommend doing this first thing in the morning because as the day goes on, it's easy just to push it, push it off, you know, maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow. And this is, this is critical, I think, for people's health and well-being and, and immunity right now as well. Uh, so, so, but having a strong purpose or why as well that you want to do this. So, you know, identifying that, hey, this is important to me and I'm going to do it, but I'm going to protect the time every single day to do that. So are there other, I mean, this might be a really silly question, but I'm genuinely curious. Are there other types of meditation you can do that are more active, like, um, like intense physical workout or running or, you know, sprinting or, or something that it's more of an explosive thing? Because I feel right now, for me, I have all this pent-up energy and I'm frustrated because my mom, I can't see my mom. And it, I feel better somehow just kind of exploding that out. Is that meditation or is that just like burning energy? Or is that uh, even no, healthy? I, I mean, don't even know. That, yeah, well, that, that is hugely important, too. So, I mean, like body movement is, is, is absolutely key to our, our, uh, our health and well-being. But, but I often recommend it's doing a meditation after your physical exertion. So, in that point, I don't really think it would be considered meditation. Now, there are more active meditations, but it's more of a gentle type experience. For example, there's a walking meditation, which you can do where you can just walk very slowly and, and be with nature if you can. And you just notice every step. You listen very carefully. It's just you're increasing your awareness, whereas exercise and meditation aren't necessarily uh, um, the same or intertwined, but they're, they're great in, in tandem, essentially. Yeah, I want to ask you something around that. So does med- what does meditation look like? Does it, does it mean like I have to sit upright and I have to, like, close my eyes? And can I be laying down and doing this? Cause, like what you just said, can I be walking in nature and, and doing it? Like, what, what does it look like? It's basically you're just becoming aware of what's going on in your body. You're trying to be in the present moment, fully engaged, without distraction or judgment. And when your thoughts come, you say, oh, that's interesting, and then you let it go. It really doesn't matter if you're sitting, lying, or walking, as long as you're following that principle. So, for example, there's a popular meditation called the body scan, which you do lying down, and you essentially it walk through and you, you know, you've noticed the, the tingling on the tips of, of your left toes, and you go up your, one side of your body and down the other. And I do that for the kids as well, and it just puts them right into a trance. Um, so, yes, I mean, it's, there's, there's various techniques, but essentially the, the, the premise really is, is just trying to be present. When you're in the present moment, 
you are in well-being, you're in that mode where you're, you're healing, you know, if you're, if you're too stuck in the past and that rigidity, you know, that's where depression kicks in. If you're too far in the future worrying about what's going to happen, that's anxiety. So it's just being in that present moment, fully present, not judging, and just okay with what is. And how can mindfulness uh, help with stress and anxiety? By just being in the present moment and having a reset, not letting our bodies get into that fight or flight mode, which is anxiety, where we're at a red zone all day long and we're just chewing through our body's resources and energy and, and it brings us back. It brings us back to reset, essentially. Hmm. There's a great Wayne, Wayne Dyer quote I just wrote down. I just saw it today, but... It says, peace is the result of retraining your mind to process life as it is, rather than as you think it should be. And, and, and basically, that's, we have all of these things we project in the world. We want this to be like this. We want this to be like this. You know, we want when we leave here, the world to be normal again. But all these things are not as, you know, as we wish. So it gives us, it gives us resilience. It gives us the ability to, to look at the world as it is and be okay with that. So I'm curious, you meditate often, so is it something that you do daily then? Yes. And how does it help you cope with what's going on right now? Yeah, I have a military like morning routine, which I've developed over the last couple of years, and it's been great for me. So I get up, uh, lemon water, drink a liter of water, I do a 20-minute body movement or cardio, and then I do 45 to an hour. An entire liter before coffee? Uh, yeah, I don't have any coffee until later. And, and, yeah. yeah, that's hydration is important. But, but uh, yeah, so it's, it's a daily, daily routine for me every single day. It's, it's one of those things you have to repeat, repeat, repeat to, to rewire, and it, it takes time. That's why a lot of people get frustrated because you try like, ah, I'm not feeling it, you know, but it's, it's a process. It takes time, but it's a worthwhile habit to establish. Yeah, I can see that. Don't. Joan, do you have any other questions for Brian? Yeah, yeah, it's just the thoughts. Like whenever, you know, you're you're trying to meditate, you're doing your best, the thought comes in, you try and push it out, another thought comes in. How do you how do you expend the time in between those thoughts coming in? Just by being in the moment where you are, just noticing your breath. That's all you have to do. And that's what really has people have trouble difficulty understanding is that you know, your thoughts are like a train. So you're either on the train or off the train. You want to spend as much time off the train as you can in the moment because thoughts will come and go. And every time you bring your mind back to stillness from the train of thoughts, that's the work. That's the rewiring. And every single one of those is basically like a repetition in the gym. Thank you, Brian. That's the end of our show. Thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in tonight. And I hope that you uh, were able to take some useful information from tonight's show. Brian, how can people get a hold of you? You can uh, reach me through my website at midliferewire.com or midliferewire.com or you can reach me uh, through social media at Brian Coons. And Joan? My website is joankellywalker.com or on Instagram, joankellywalkerofficial. And my uh, Instagram is official Laura Bellotta. And I'm going to be hosting virtual speed dating events. Check out singleinthecity.ca for more details. Again, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Ciao for now. The preceding program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.